Hello, and welcome to Manga Explaining, the show where we recommend great manga to folks who haven't read much manga before. Hosted by Dabaoki, David Brothers, Chip Zdarsky, and myself, Christopher Woodrow Butcher. Follow along with our show notes and reading list at mangasplaining.com. Hello, it's Christopher, and this week I am hosting a special treat of an episode. Division Chief Kosakushima by Kenshi Hirokane. You may be wondering, what is Division Chief Kosakushima? Because I have not seen it on my local manga store shelves. And the answer is, it is a Kodansha bilingual comic, only available in Japan. Yes, it's true. I have actually tried to import these to sell them in Canada, and I was out and out refused by both of the distributors that I contacted. These books are licensed for exclusive publication in Japan, even though they are in English, and we'll get to that. If you've never seen this one before, sorry. If you go to look and see that you have to actually have this shipped from Japan or from Kinokuniya somewhere in the States, and it's $18 a volume, whoops. Uh, We're going to have a very special episode because I wanted to do something in the spirit of David's attempts to break the podcast this season. <laughs> We're going to review books you can't even get. You can't even, you could you could sort of get it, I guess, but at least this one's in English. This one's for the real fans, basically. <laughs> Unlike our yeah. Japanese language one. So Division Chief, also in the great spirit of, of manga explaining, where Deb started us on volume five of Blue Giant this season, Division Chief, or Bucho Shimakosaku, as it is known in Japan, is actually the second wave of Kosakushima stories. You see, there's a lot of Kosakushima. A lot, a lot of Kosakushima stories. More than 50 volumes of Kosakushima have been released in Japan, and the first 17 volumes ran under the title Kacho Shimakosaku, or Section Chief Kosakushima. Yes, he is a career salaryman in Japan, Arko Sakushima, and he just keeps getting promoted up the chain as the series goes on for different lengths of volumes. There's 17 volumes to start. This this uh, series, Division Chief Kosakushima, ran for 13 volumes in Japan, only four of which are available bilingually in English and Japanese. So sorry, do wait, does the does his title change as it goes it on does. then? And the title of the book changes. So his next one is Assistant Director Kosakushima, then Director, then Executive Director, then finally <laughs> President Kosakushima, and then Chairman Kosakushima. And we actually meet the current chairman in this first volume of Division Chief. Finally, Senior Advisor Kosakushima, and that just ended, and now he is Consultant Kosakushima. He's like a multimillionaire who travels the globe helping companies from his jet. There Sorry, also... wait, wait. Was the first was the first one <laughs> was the first one mailroom? No, section chief. He starts at <laughs> oh, like okay. the head of like the head of his team within a larger division because he has to be a little bit like aspirational, right? He can't just be the bottom rung because this is not just a comic about salarymen. This is a comic for salarymen and maybe only for salarymen. I am deeply interested to see how. All of us who don't have real jobs respond to <laughs> Division Chief Kosakushima. Well, whatever. We're all remote now, anyway. None of this. This is this was the eighties and nineties. None of this makes sense. But the current spinoff, and I'll just tell you how popular Kosakushima is. And Deb, I think, has actually mentioned this on a previous episode. Is it's an alternate universe where Kosakushima? It's like a 
Deb, could you actually fill us in on this? Because I my my I understand what's happening in the images I've seen, but I don't actually know what's happening. It's called Night Commander Kosakushima. <laughs> oh, of course. There you go. Kosakushima is a knight who gets transported to the world to fight orcs and demons. Sorry, is this? It? Yeah. Is wait, is this into the Shimaverse? He basically. It kind of is. <laughs> yes. Oh, sorry. Here we go. Tensei Shitara Shima Kosaku Dataken. That time I got reincarnated as Kosakushima, and it's oh, so someone else is him. Oh no, that's uh, a different maybe? one. Oh, that's the the time I got recarded as a slime crossover. So yeah, like yeah, that's a different one. What? What? Yeah. So there's a wild. basically a Bane John Malkovich version where presumably someone what? who's read Kosakushima gets to live Kosakushima's life. Right? There's also a mystery one. Talk more about what it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Chip yeah. is bewildered right now. Yeah, there's another yeah. one where it's like Kosakushima is a detective, and then he has to mm. solve murder mysteries. It's written by the same author who did Drops of God. <laughs> mm. Of course. He is literally the everyman All right. All right. In, in Japan. So, Kosakushima, Vision Chief Kosakushima. I don't even think there's a description I can read online. I can give a pitch for it, or for the, yeah. the one we read. Go for David, it. David, how would you like to describe Kosakushima <laughs> to the fine folks at home? Essentially, it is a dramatization of how cool it is to be a businessman during the bubble era. That's both mm. like a moral manual and also kind of like, here's how cool your life could be, you know, sort of a deal. So it's so aspirational, like you were saying. But also it's like, hey, maybe only have like one steady girlfriend instead of like having women in every port that you go to sort of a deal. So it's kind of interesting from that angle and that it's like instructional and entertainment. Hmm. I don't know. What do you think? Chris, do you agree? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I actually was introduced to salaryman manga, which is what this, this is. And salaryman just basically means in Japan, a guy who goes to the office every day for, you know, 60 hours a week. I was introduced to salaryman manga first through a direct parody of Division Chief Kosakushima that ran in Even a Monkey Can Draw a Manga, which is a favorite of mine that I mentioned a number of times here on the podcast. It's basically a, it's like shonen manga, but for people who've aged up a little, because shonen manga is still widely read by salarymen on the train and things like that. And it is this like, what if you could have this aspirational life? What if you could, you were like a guy at the office, except you were a little higher up than you are now, and you just kept upward being upwardly mobile to infinity, like to, to literally chairman of the board of the company that you work for. You have a good relationship with the CEO, but you have a bad relationship with your direct rival. And you're, you have this triangle where you're constantly like, I can talk to the CEO directly, but he can't show favoritism to me. So I know that I'm always going to be at least a little bit okay. But my rival is, you know, constantly, who's my direct boss is constantly giving me shit. And it sort of basically gives you this idea that you too as a salaryman, yeah, you can have a nice girlfriend and have hot, sexy times and travel the globe and be upwardly mobile within your company. And it's the bubble era and everything's really great. Except it's, I don't know, I don't know that the world that Kosakashima existed, exists in ever really existed. Like, I feel like it is just like 20% fantasy at all times. Like it's, it has the sheen of being real, but it's sort of like Oishinbo, like, yeah, you can go to the restaurant that's an Oishinbo, but you know you're not you're not going to have like a fight uh, between 
two people that are constantly tasting individual ingredients and shouting at each other that no one else can taste that are secret ingredients in the meal. Like it's, it's fantasy comics for salary, man. And it's also unlike anything I think we've read so far, it's part explainer manga, part narrative, part weird introduction to Japan. And I think this introduction uh, has gone on long enough. So (laughs) Kosakushima, now that you're listening, you kind of get what we're talking about. The question is, what did we think about it? And since David was kind (laughs) enough to volunteer a description of of the first volume that we read today, David, what did you think of Kosakushima? This isn't the first time you've read it, I believe. Yeah, years ago. I actually don't remember which year, but, you know, sometime after 2007 when I went to San Francisco, I borrowed a volume of this from Deb and read it. And it was actually probably this exact same volume. And I really liked it at the time. And in the time since, say maybe 10 years, we'll call it, I've become a lot more socialist and anti-capitalist. So I still like this, but I'm like, these guys are the problem. Like, you know, business unchecked and yada, yada, yada. So I thought it was interesting how whenever they address like philanthropy or dealing with the workers or that sort of thing, it was always from a very, I don't want to say progressive, like that feels like not quite the right word, but kind of like a forward thinking perspective, you know, Mm. like how do we fit in society as opposed to just sort of like raising everything to the ground. So like they're kind of being portrayed as like the good side of capitalism. Like here's what we could have if only, you know, everyone was upright and moral, which of course, like a lot of people in the book aren't there's, the corporate takeover chapter was hilarious. I still don't understand how that worked out, <laughs> but I still like it. It's a good drama. Like some of the drawings are pretty interesting. And the chapter unforgettable has actually been one of my favorite sort of like romantic short stories for a long time. I feel like the, the move at the end of that story is incredibly powerful, probably mm. because, you know, before the show we were talking about, you know, how a lot of American culture crossed over to Canada as back in the day when we were kids like Nat King Cole and Natalie Cole's song like blew up in the States super huge. So it's yeah. like embedded yeah. in the back of my head and yeah. probably in the, in Canada as well. And I think this book came out around the same time that it was blowing up here. So it was like a weird, like nostalgia trip at the same time that I kind of appreciated. Hmm. I don't know. It's like when you hit something and there's like a diamond on the end of the hammer. So it's like, it's extra hard unexpectedly. <laughs> One of yeah. Those. That's what a good metaphor. I dig it. Deb, yeah. what did you think of, since you were the one who lent David Kosakushima, I assume this is not your first encounter with our division chief, no? It's one of those books that's hard to find. So whenever mm. I would see a new volume, I would pick it up, you know, understanding that I would probably never be able to read the whole series. Kind of like with Oishimbo, right? Where it's like, mm. I'm only getting this little glimpse of the series. I'm getting only a little glimpse of the dynamics between the characters and get a taste for it so I can, you know, at least speak to it semi-intelligently because it's such a, it's such a foundational work in manga. It really is. It really, it, it basically, it, from this, so many other manga have sprung and mm. from this, it's, it's hard to explain to Americans because this guy, this salary man is so well known in Japan that his every career move gets noticed kind of like how people in america like know that superman has died again yeah (laughs) like you know everyone knows superman but they don't follow him all the time but then every now and then when something amazing happens in superman people take notice time magazine writes an article 
newspapers say, did you hear Superman died? Oh, did you hear Superman got married? And they were like, oh, really? Kosakashima was promoted. Yeah. And and it's and it's front page news or it's like front front mag, front of magazine, mainstream magazine news. Oh my God, Kosakushima got promoted, you know? So mm. the level to which people find this this character so endearing and so I don't know, I guess I mean it's almost like the grown up version of One Piece. <laughs> yeah. You know, where like people just feel this attachment to the character and they, they relate to him or they, they're happy for him when he succeeds because he's genuinely a good hearted person or character. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of nice because I feel like it's this lovely business fantasy, you know, because yeah. if you've ever worked in an office in any kind of business, you've dealt with the forces that tell you, um, no, we can't do that because it won't make us money. Or, yeah. no, we can't do that because that's too much trouble. Even though it's the right thing to do, it's too much trouble. We can't be bothered. And, you know, there's a party that thinks, wow, that sucks. You know, I'm part of the problem. I know what the right thing to do is, but, you know, business, the, the natural tendency of business is to not do the right thing. Right? To, the, ultimately, business exists to make money, mm. return shareholder value, all these things, and Every now and then in your career, you're going to be doing things or making decisions or being told to do things that you think, this doesn't sit right with me. Yeah. I don't like this. And what I love about reading Kosakushima is that you get the sense that he's telling you, you know, actually, sometimes doing the right thing is the right thing. Sometimes doing the, good, the right thing will pay off in the end. And sometimes the shitty people that you work with would get a you know, face pull of poo. Like, like they will have to eat shit and die. <laughs> <laughs> First, I'm like, oh, that's really sweet that she said face full of poo instead of going, you know, too blue. But then she's like, eat shit and die <laughs> with a that's face full of poo. So <laughs> <laughs> you know, like just that the people who are really crappy and, and, and manipulative and put on a two faces in front of the more people who yeah. are more powerful get their way, right? And you think, Oh, sometimes these people get it in the, you know, get it in the end and you want to believe that's kind of a, a lovely, it's not, this sounds so cynical. It's a fantasy. It's a fantasy that we mm. wish we could all live in. We wish that we could be Kosakushima, right? That we could be, you know, powerful and brave and smart and clever and make the right decision and have powerful people listen to us. And even if things don't work out, you still feel like there was some kind of heartwarming twist at the end like when that guy got laid off yeah you know, you know he gets laid off and the uh, kosakushima is has to break the news says yeah you you've worked for this company for a long time and we're gonna lay you off five years before your retirement the older man goes i can't believe this you know i've gave so much to this company and this is how they treat me and then the ending is he sees an alligator that nobody sees and it says oh yeah. you know that that alligator is only seen by those who are pure of heart and then you're supposed to go Okay, we're supposed to feel better because even though this guy is getting laid off, the company's treating him terribly, but he's like, you know, everyone goes, yeah, but at least we know he's he's a good person. Yeah. The alligator showed up and says, you are a good person. And that was the ending. There was no come yeah. up yeah. he just loses <laughs> yeah. his job. Whoops, the end. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes that's what happens. Sometimes that's what happens. You shouldn't have gone against the company president in front of the open crew and you know, he lost face, so he had to fire you. 
Like that is the moral of that story. It's instructional as well as being aspirational. Keep your mouth shut. Don't make too much fun of the boss or you're out. Like you can rebel, but don't do it in a way that gets you fired, you know? And somehow yeah. Kosakushima manages to thread that needle all the time. <laughs> I like that, but I like this. I, I liked it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you liked it, Deb. Chip, did you find <laughs> that Kosakushima threaded the needle as well for you and your tastes in manga? It threaded the needle, it, it dug the needle into my torn up jeans, and it patched them up. Nice, nice. I was wondering where that was going to go. Like, Yeah, the right. Razor dug it, dug the needle into my, ugh. I was wondering as well. Yeah, I, I, I really liked it. It reminded me, and this is a weird comparison, it reminded me of Frank and Fran. <laughs> oh, wow, okay. It's a nice, yeah. tight little, little done-in-one stories in this world. Feels like it'd be a TV show, maybe because I'm shout outs uh, right right here. I'm I'm rewatching Mad Men. Oh, so compared to that, this is full of like great people. <laughs> 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 but 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 just the but just the idea of like, yeah, it's it's, it's obviously it's. I have the same feeling uh, David does, even though I didn't read this ten years prior. Like. It, it it bounces against my kind of anti-capitalist socialist <laughs> tendencies, but it's also I'm just like, well, what am I ten? Like I don't know. I'm yeah. reading a fantasy. It's a fantasy book. Like I don't feel that way when I'm watching uh, Freddy versus Jason as an example of <laughs> people getting torn up. It feels feels like that level of fantasy, and sometimes the instructional stuff is maybe a bit too on the nose. Like oh, there was like one scene where in the company takeover one where he just drives home the fact that, like, do not take your company public unless you need a cash infusion. Yes, I know. I shouldn't do that. <laughs> You're right. Because only do that if you need a cash infusion. Like, it's just really, really driving these weird points home. But it, but it's really well done. Like, you know, Unforgettable is a great story. But even just, like, like off the bat, him uh, and his girlfriend's birthday with the, the candles... Uh, where she blows out 24 candles because he forgot it was her 25th. And then he learned earlier about the Tokyo Tower shutting off at midnight. So he takes her to that apartment that's perfectly set up and does this really cute kind of beautiful button on the whole thing where he just, he blows at Tokyo Tower and seconds later it goes out like it's the 25th candle. Like that's, that's so well done. That's so elegant. Yeah. Uh, it, Everything kind of pays off in that beautiful, tight, short little story. And I don't really find out until a few chapters later that he's 46 and she's 25. I was trying to remember while I was reading. <laughs> I was like, is this the early in his career? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is the 18th volume of Kosakashima, even though it has number one on the title. Uh. He's already, he had an amicable divorce with his wife and he's a good father to his kid when he can see her two to three times a month. Like, he's doing his best, Chip, and he's found someone new and she's <laughs> related to the company somehow it's it's perfect and it's a, a beautiful fantasy of this guy who's just super busy at his job and then as she points out like you know we only see each other like four times a year or whatever and i have to have sex with you at least 10 times now as a result it's like and then i'm gone <laughs> it's like <laughs> uh, in a lot of ways that's a fantasy yeah it's it's so funny because like the drawings of him like i just can't tell that he's an old man I mean, when I say old man, I mean my age. Because mm. he, he looks like he's her age. So that was a bit of a shock to me. 
when it's revealed that he's 46. But of course, as the series has been going on forever, he's got to age. I'm assuming that's kind of a real-time thing, him aging. Like, he's not a he's not chairman at 46? No, he ages in real time. And this volume was originally published in 95. So now in 2020, he is an old man. Yeah. He is an old man as a consultant. So yeah, these are, these are uh, really good, tight fantasy stories. Also with some really kind of deft cartooning. Mm-hmm. Like, a, a lot of the secondary characters, like... I'm especially thinking about the shareholder takeover one, the bad guy in that. Like he's really well drawn. Like he's got a really interesting face, and there are a few characters throughout that have very distinct features. Yeah, yeah. The the artist clearly knows how to draw that caricature. Let's say, yeah, caricature and and draw the heck out of stuff. Like, yeah, I I forget what page, but there's a drawing of the building, and he's drawn every single window and it's perfect, but he's also like managed to like lay in the reflections of all the other buildings around it in a really mm. elegant mm. way. Yeah, it really helps sell the stories. Especially since you're dealing with, you know, a, a fantasy but of kind of quote unquote realistic kind of situations. This yeah, is so it's quite pretty good. much the ultimate example of a talking head comic. And I really agree with you that like he the cartoonist makes it an interesting comic. Yeah. It's it's there it's dynamic. There's lots of stuff going on. He picks some great angles. Like when he's threatening the guy who tried to take over the company as he's leaving, they're both up on a catwalk staring down at him. So you get like four really good angles in a row in that sequence where it's like they're looking up and pointing down and then the shot is from above looking at the guy who's like, "Uh, like no, no, I won't I won't attack your company anymore. I promise." Yeah. The cartooning's pretty fun and and good angles, good shots, good flow. Yeah. It's good comics. And when I read this originally, it was when there weren't very many manga on the shelves, actually. Kosakushima, this was published in 2000, and that was firmly before the manga boom in North America. We still we had just started getting like Tokyo Pop, Sailor Moon stuff in 1998 and 1999. Division Chief Bilingual Edition was actually offered in the back of the previous catalog hmm. through a sort of third-party importer. So these copies of Division Chief Kosakushima could be languishing on the shelves of old comic book stores right now, probably marked down several times. I know I bought my first copy for four bucks down from the like 16 or 20 or whatever it was the first time. So bargain hunters, go out and find your copies because they're not cheap on Amazon. I bought all the cheap ones and shipped them to the manga explainer. So ex- explain explain to me this. So, so this is the only format that Kosakushima is available in for an English audience. So let's say you're me in 2000 and you're a huge manga fan and you've read almost everything that's been put out at that point. Mm-hmm. I have not kept up with reading everything in print, but I have been, I've been, I'd read a lot of books, let's say up into a certain point of manga. And all of a sudden you find out that there's English language manga published by Kodansha, who's one of the huge publishers in Japan that is only available in Japanese. And they've region locked certain series behind this Kodansha bilingual edition situation. So back then, you could get Cardcaptor Sakura before it was available legally in English through Tokyo Pop. You could get Sailor Moon. You could get Love Hina, which are all big titles that were released. But to this day, there are a lot of series in the Kodansha bilingual line that were only released as bilingual editions. So Chia Hayafuru, which is a series that Deb really likes, Chia Hayafuru, is only available digitally in North America, but it was the first three volumes were published bilingually. Oh, and then classic manga, sort of newspaper strip kind of stuff, like Sazai-san, 
which actually all of the volumes were translated and published bilingually, as well as a really interesting one from the lady's point of view called OL Surviving the Office. OL is short for office lady, and it's the uh, female equivalent of the salaryman in Japan. And it's, yeah, here's how to survive as an office lady. And it's like fun office lady stories of like, oh my God, we're out of tea in the big meetings in 15 minutes. What are we going to do? Like, it's pretty sexist, but also written by and for ladies in the 80s. So like, you take it with a grain of salt. It's sort of like Kate Beaton's like powerful lady executive comics where <laughs> she's always got the shoulder pads. Yeah, yeah. I only bring that up because I want an excuse to put it in the show notes. I love Kate's Excellent. powerful 80s office executive nice. lady. So, and these are comics for Japanese people that want to learn English. So that's why, and we haven't talked about this yet, every panel of Kosakashima has been altered. And the book is taller than normal manga, so that mm. bigger space can be put between the um, horizontal piers of manga to have the Japanese translations of the English that's in the word balloons, that's in the sound effects, that's in the captions appear next to the word balloons and the captions and the sound effects, rather than dropping it on top or sort of directly next to the Japanese in the same bubble, it's floating outside of it. And it's so when you're a Japanese person who reads, thank goodness, and they're like, what is thank goodness? And then it has the translation above it, which is like, sore wa yokata, is, is written just above it. And it's like, oh, that's what he's saying. And it's a whole line of books published by Kodansha just to teach Japanese people English, Kodansha bilingual editions. But it literally brought completely hidden, untranslated treasures to English readers like ourselves, because no one in their right mind is going to publish 50 volumes of, of Kosakushima in English. Like It's never going to happen for an English audience. English audiences don't want this book. But if you're a nerd or a manga splainer like me in 2000, who only wants to see all of the different wild-ass manga that's available in Japan, well, here you go. You got Division Chief in a bilingual edition, and you can only get six, seven volumes. There's four of Division Chief, and then three of President Kosakushima, which has a very different tone. When he gets powerful, there's a lot more random lady having sex with rather than his just his girlfriend in this volume. The series changes dramatically. Hmm. Does he stay with Kumiko, or does... She disappeared. Well, he's having sex with somebody else in the first volume of President Kosakushima. So maybe and rather than or. Hmm. Who am I to he judge? He found out about uh, polyamory, which is <laughs> yeah. like polyamory in a way is the ultimate management like challenge. Let's say. <laughs> That's true. A lot of, lot of spreadsheets. <laughs> That's getting pull quoted in this uh, in the show notes. <laughs> if it's Tuesday, it's her. If it's Thursday, it's her. But every other. Yeah. Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I find it really fascinating that this is what they chose as a way to teach English. Because you'd think with comics, like the advantage comics has in, in terms of like teaching somebody another language is that you can look at the pictures and get more context from the pictures as to what the actions are to help mm. you uh, understand. But this is, as you said, it's a book of talking heads. Like it's a really funny idea that. Because the, the pictures almost never give you context as to what's happening on its own. But your life as a salaryman who needs to learn English for his overseas portions of his job gives you the context for what's happening. Yeah. It's like, oh, the two factions are fighting. Oh, this person talked shit about the president in a meet or president's ideas yeah, in a yeah. meeting and got fired. Your life is the context. And now it's just English with Japanese next to each other, which I think is... Uh, 
ingenious, actually, that this was one of the titles chosen. I just can't figure out who Cardcaptor Sakura bilingual edition is for, personally. Like, if it's to teach kids <laughs> English or whatever, but, like, that was the one when it was released, I was like, Love Hina I get, and, like, Sazai-san I get, but what so what 40-year-old who wants to learn English is reading Cardcaptor Sakura? And then it hit me, and then I was a little sad, but, you know, we do what we got to do. I mean, it could be women, businessmen, some people. Sure, but it's still pretty juvenile. <laughs> like, yeah. I like that series. The art's really pretty, but yeah. Actually, we should make everyone read Card Character Sakura one time. It's such a weird, weird book reading it 25 years later. Anyway, yeah. I actually was thinking about this since the very first couple episodes of Manga Explaining, but as a joke. <laughs> and I was thinking about it because it's like, oh my God, we're reading comic books. What if I make the superhero guy read a book about the most boring person on earth. And that would be a f- hilarious, hilarious joke because it was that when, especially when it came out at the time, superheroes dominated the comics industry in the West. So the idea that there's just a manga about a normal businessman and it's huge in Japan and we have nothing like that in North America. So that was my joke at the beginning and, and like probably around right after Helter Skelter, I was like, Oh, that was that was a little too real for you. Well, how about something even realer? And it was it would be Kosakashima. First of all, the superhero guy. Come on, <laughs> you're I, writing I Daredevil and Batman simultaneously. I'm writing them, but whatever. Simultaneously writing those two books. Well, you think you think you think Stephen King finishes uh, his day of writing horror and he sits down and goes and reads and watches horror? No, no, he's reading Cardcaptor Sakura. Okay. <laughs> okay. I respect the attempt to stick the landing there. Thanks. <laughs> I was going to say the, I guess, reverse future shock stuff in this, like, oh, oh, the 90s were so long kind of vibe that I kept getting was kind of funny to me because mm. I think 46 used to be a lot older than it is today. Is yeah. The feeling that I'm getting. And I hate to bring this up two weeks in a row, but I watched City Slickers last week where Billy Crystal <laughs> turns 39 and has a midlife crisis. And I'm like, 39? Like, he's so soft. Like, life is so much better than that now. Yeah. And so this one, where he's like 46 with a girlfriend 20 years younger than he is, I'm like, this feels more old-fashioned than it reads sometimes. Yeah. Because, like, the different values and things that it expresses, a lot of it's still pretty, like, valid as far as a modern day goes. But the, the stuff with women is sort of all over the place in this book. And I think especially yeah, yeah. because we spent, like it's me personally, I don't know about you know the rest of you, like a lot of time trying to be better in our relationships with women and how kind of we talk about romance and different things like that. So the thing where he, like, he meets the guy's wife and it's the prostitute who tried to pick him up the day before. Ludicrous twist, but also like visible from the moon as far as what's about to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. How did that sort of thing hit you guys? Like, was it... Not, sh- I don't think shocking is the right word, but was it quaint? I guess. I I gotta say, in, in that particular story, I I like the fact that the substitute word for sex worker was tart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to bring tart back as a descriptor. There was another one of those. Yeah, that that one was pretty, kind of the weirdest story for me. Like that's the one I kind of bounced off of. Maybe because I have a passion for business in my business books and there wasn't enough business there, unless you mm. count the exchange of money for sex. 
Mm-hmm. It also seemed like kind of the clumsiest story because it kept mm-hmm. just kept going, and then this happened. But then what a twist this happened! Like he's actually saying that in the story, <laughs> and it felt a little yeah. like, all right, yeah, surprise, surprise. Yeah, I mean it's. <sighs> Yeah, obviously the women in this are very uh, treated uh, secondary and as prizes, I guess. Yeah. For the salarymen, that just leans into the fantasy of it all. And it, it definitely yeah. dates it. Like, I didn't need to, you know, kind of read the date on this to know that it is not a current title. <laughs> no. no one had cell phones. That was the big yeah. giveaway for me. No, there's a cell but phone also in the, the Paris chapter. On the table oh, while they're talking. It yeah, it's just uh, yeah, it's a flip phone. There's no page numbers. I can probably put it on the no no right here. Yeah, huh, you are absolutely right. That is, is it a cell phone or is it a cordless phone like they used to have in hotel rooms? It's a. I wasn't in many hotel rooms in the '90s, so I can't actually say. <laughs> ah. <laughs> a likely story. Well, your parents didn't take you to Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, so. I totally agree with you there that the the treatment of women in this is really a whole thing. And I wonder if along with growing, you know, his character, growing his character, like in terms of the role that he has within the company, it grows in its treatment of women in the, like it has to, I ha- because like we read a story, this, this volume, which is about like, Hey, it's 1995. Maybe we should be concerned about the environment. And one of the guys on the board's like, we shouldn't be concerned about the environment. Who gives a shit? And he's like, well, we have to actually. And then they, they like all decide to be in concern with the environment from now on. And that's like how that story wraps up. I absolutely see like a, oh, I'm president now. We should do something about how women are treated in our company. Women have been always treated this way. Why'd you do anything? No, we're going to be better to women. And then it wraps up and you're done. And that's how they deal with, oh, it's yeah. been 35 volumes of <laughs> kind of being shitty to women in our Japanese corporate comic. But yeah. Frankly, I think a lot of ladies who work in Japanese corporations don't feel like things have changed super much since Division Chief Kosakushima times either, yeah. even if it has in the larger society. Yeah. Abenomics be damned. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, oh, yeah. that guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the feeling I got is that the women in this book are like subordinate to the business side of things. Like every relationship is defined almost in relation to the business. So oh, yeah, his whole life is defined by the business. Yeah. yeah, and it's such like a alien perspective because it seems sometimes it's, I think the relationship between him and Kumiko is really very interesting, very loving, but like the situation, the depiction seems kind of joyless sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like there's not a yeah. lot of passion in the way that I would expect. But it is very passionate on the page in their numerous lovemaking yeah. scenes. Yeah, and he's True. too focused on business. That's the thing. <laughs> like she's just like, we got to do it. He's like, oh, okay, uh, but he still, he's very much has like the business demeanor, no matter yeah. what. I, I, I will say, I like the fact that like she's very sex positive. She is very sex yeah. positive. You know, there's there's nothing in this book in which like a a, a man is kind of like forcing or being like or screwing around or doing like kind of weird stuff. Again, I'm. Rewatching Mad Men, so <laughs> when I think of business days of old, uh, all these horrible things kind of come up. I mean, I do like she has her own career and that she's not like whining mm-hmm. at him, like make an honest woman out of me mm-hmm. and you should marry mm-hmm. me and like being whiny and like in some stereotypical type things, right? It's like 
you got to buy me expensive gifts and how come you don't and how come you don't call me all the time like they depict the oh. woman like this and whereas like she seems very matter of fact about this like she's just oh. horny as hell yeah she's she's horny as hell she up and went to another country to expand her career and expand the business like they're apart because she also put the business first by running their LA office like this comic is business sexual like it is like <laughs> everything is about how the business will affect everything else. Like, we're going to stay and work through both Christmas and New Year's to save the company, and I'm going to yell at my daughter on the phone with no repercussions. Like, just <laughs> scream at my daughter. How dare you? I have to work. Leave me alone. She's eight. <laughs> that was the scene in the book. I was just like, whoa, what the hell? Like, that was really out of left field, actually. But he's stressed, so you can see, you yeah. know, but it's also it's the fantasy for the businessman too reading this because they're like I could never yell at my daughter like that this is exciting yeah. <laughs> and then he's still rewarded at the end and kind of humbled at the same time it's like yeah, oh like, like you shouldn't be yelling at your family but if you do maybe it'll be okay yeah like you kind cake. of get to your daughter will still your love and you and too. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, but I like that. I like the ending of that one too because that's when Shima's boss, the CEO, comes comes in and is like, doesn't let this guy see him because if this guy sees him, he'd have to like beg and grovel in front of his family, and because that's just like that's the business. Like he yeah. knows the score, and so you get like a nice bit of actual explainer manga stuff where he's like, yeah, if I had shown up, it would have changed the tenor of everything. I would have embarrassed him in front of his family because he owes me so much now. Don't worry, the two of us will get together in Tokyo, just the two of us. And that's where it ends. And it was like almost sinister, but it was also like, this is what's got to be done for the business. And it's it's yeah. just crazy. Like it's so intense and so loaded and just left there. And then it's just like, pause. Oh, Fuji looks nice today, huh? And it ends on a full page <laughs> of like Japan and being strong like a mountain. Uh, and it's just crazy. It's, I just it's so good. I this was going on at the same time as the redhead adopted Lex Luthor clone storyline in Superman comics back in the day. <laughs> right. And I deeply wish that there was some kind of guest appearance just to compare and contrast the business styles. Because it seems like a book mm. that would do that. It would say, like, oh, here's the evil businessman who does blah, 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 blah. Here's his philosophy. Here's our philosophy over here where we mostly respect women and the environment and do good things. There's such different pictures of like the potentials of a bubble era businessman. So this is actually really interesting because division chief takes place just as the bubble is bursting and there's an economic downturn that they address. And it must've been going on for a little while for them to actually put it in the manga mm -hmm. because you know, obviously the market goes up, the market goes down and at this point, Division Chief Kosakushima doesn't realize that the bubble, the thing that has created this comic basically, has burst and things are actually only going to get worse. For example, the guy who tries to take over the company that we talk about is like rich on real estate money. And the real estate was a huge factor in the bubble bursting where basically uh, in Japan, like the banks were extending these insane loans to anyone who wanted to buy real estate because real estate's a guaranteed investment. Sound familiar, Canadians? So they just kept extending these loans, these junk loans, further and further. All these like fake loan companies would get set up. And then no one could pay it back. And you're starting to see that in this, where it's like, this guy can't afford to hold on to the shares to take over a real company that might continue operating because the interest rates on the loans are so high, he might actually default on them. That's what the bubble bursting was. You're watching the cratering of the Japanese economy 
in real time in Division Chief Kozakushima Volume 1. And it only gets worse for the next 13 volumes. And it's crazy as well that this was like a live chronicle of what was happening in the world in Japan in business at the time. The bubble era stuff is interesting because I mostly know about it, unfortunately, because of the Yakuza video games that Sega put out. Yeah. Which oh, really? begin in the bubble era when you can you play a gangster, obviously, and there's like a whole real estate drama that sort of drives the story. You can wow. like slap people with handfuls of money. And then as the games go on, like the city that you live in gets kind of progressively worse and worse in certain ways. So it really like looking Yakuza looks back at that era. And I think this is kind of in the middle of it. They kind of have the same perspective, which is like maybe reckless spending isn't a good thing. Maybe unchecked growth kind of sucks, you know, Hmm. but no one learned that lesson in the West. That's for sure. Yeah, no, there's two things in this that I love that I'll give up. One is when he's talking to that guy's girlfriend, he calls, like he says, Hirase is your steady. And I'm a big believer in bringing back steady. Like, let's bring that back. And also old man and old lady. Super good stuff. And tart. And the other, we got to bring back tart, too. Yes, Don't yes, forget. Tart. <laughs> and the other is all the drawings of people lighting cigarettes and exhaling in the same panel. Like everyone says, you can't draw two actions in the same comics panel. But he's found such like a cool way to depict that. And it's such like a small action that there's like a lot of, I don't know, like I like smoking in comics. It's like a really good storytelling trick. I think he does a lot really interesting in this book. Yeah. Hmm. But it's always someone holding a lighter to a cigarette and kind of breathing out at the same time, which is not how you light a cigarette. I'm pretty sure you don't breathe out. (laughs) (laughs) No, Uh, those are separate actions. It's funny too, because we just read Kowloon's generic romance and the lighting and and breathing in and exhaling of cigarettes was broken and down into like, I think there's one sequence where it's like 14 panels across two pages yeah. <laughs> of, uh, of of cigarette usage that was very accurate, but it also gave a different kind of more luxurious pacing, I guess, to yeah. what was going on in that book. And this book is not luxuriously paced. So hmm. I've actually encountered two criticisms of the Kodansha bilingual comics in general, as well as these. And it's that criticism number one is that the translations feel overly generic or Mm. uh, almost not robotic because a real human translated these, but too proper. Like they don't quite get the the tone and the voice correct. And that's because these are primarily learning tools. These are for people learning Japanese or learning English from Japanese. And so you get words that are technically correct but that no human would ever speak that way is the criticism and it's i think i'm a little bit more apparent on some of the other series i i found it a little more naturalistic in kosakashima but i was curious if you guys thought that the the dialogue other than tart and your steady for your your steady girlfriend flowed did you think the dialogue flowed okay in this did you notice it getting in the way of itself i mean it didn't feel very natural for the most part but it also didn't really detract from the story because it, because like the setting is kind of proper. So mm. there's not a lot of casualness happening in this book. I get that. I think even in the eighties, in the eighties movies that I have gone back and watched, you have to make love to me 10 times. It's not something that it's not how that would be phrased maybe by that. Young no, lady. no, so. I, I, I get that all the time. So it's like, <laughs> that's, that's exactly what someone would say. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. The other criticism is that the Japanese text and the 
way that the panels are moved to accommodate the additional Japanese text destroys the flow of the story. It's no longer an integral comics page. And even I think some of the panel borders have been redrawn. You guys are our big storytelling wonks, let's say. Did you find it was annoying to read or difficult to read or hard to read? Or did it just kind of, you just took it for what it was? It's it's awkward, but it's it's so regimented. Like this is a comic on on grids. Like there's not a lot of wild swings in terms of in terms of layout. So <laughs> yeah. incor- in, incorporating the the extra spaces and the extra text doesn't kill the page, but mm. just makes it slightly awkward. Still flows. Yeah. I I've, I've been learning Japanese forever. So it took me like a hundred years to read this book because I kept comparing the two and trying to identify mm, what I knew I and what I didn't know yet. But I think storytelling wise, the way they did the expansion doesn't feel that obtrusive to me. Huge gutters, obviously. But you your eye kind of trains itself to skip past the Japanese after a certain point. You know, because yeah, you know you're not gonna be able to read it anyway. Yeah. I think I'm what I'm going to do. I'm going to find volume one on Bookwalker of Division Chief in Japanese, and we'll do a couple of comparisons side by side to see how much editing they might have done to individual panels to make Kosakushima work for this bilingual edition. I think that'll be a fun thing for the show notes. Look for them at mangasplaining.com. The only thing that kind of ruins the flow a little bit for me is, is the actual lettering, which I did really. Not... You don't like things lettered and technical. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of kind of plopping it down, hitting justify, and then just kind of walking away from it. Mm. Yeah, I found I found the lettering to not be quite up to the standard that I think the book maybe deserves, especially for something that's going to be kind of poured over more so mm-hmm. because people are using it to learn a language. I think the justify, like the left or right justify, is deliberate though to make it easier to read because if you don't recognize the letter forms, then they can kind of. Well, it's not. Together. It's not the fact that they're doing that. It's the fact that they're doing it and then like butting it up against, like just doing weird things. Like look at look at this as. <laughs> like it's just it's it, inconsistent it, too. As part of the mm-hmm. oh, it, it well, is sorry, it's a yeah, sloppy. No, yeah, it's nobody's like, going in and, and and nudging things over to make the the spacing work. That stuff, that stuff kind of brings me out more than anything else. Like, why isn't this in the balloon more properly? Like, yeah, but that's pro. I, I see that as a me thing. <laughs> My me thing in this is they keep putting an apostrophe in hmm, like a hum sound. And oh. it drives me nuts. Like it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> this book is a good example of how, how much space you need for English and how little space you need for Japanese. Which yeah. is part of like the constant struggle of localization. Yeah. Is every once in a while, you know, things will be more or less the same length, but sometimes you'll get like a huge block of text in Japanese that turns into like three blocks of text in English. It's like, yeah. what are we going to do here? Chris, well, if you're going to compare it to check if they change the size of the, the word balloons. Mm. Mm, I would love that. Yeah, we'll go through that in the show notes. These seem a bit more generous than I'm used to seeing in a book that more normally has lots of up and down writing. Well, it's for 46-year-olds in Japan. Maybe they had to make the lettering bigger so that our tired <laughs> eyes could read it. Again, because 46 was like a 1995 <laughs> 76. Yeah. This cartooning thing I found that works, there's a page where Kumiko comes to Kosakushima's hotel wearing a trench coat with just lingerie underneath. Again, Classic. fantasy. Classic. And when he opens the door and she hugs him, 
like the little dots of his eyes are doing like the delayed motion bit as he like <laughs> falls back from her hug. <laughs> anyway, like oh, Chip yeah, was saying, yeah, like there's so many good That's little cartooning bits in here. Oh yeah. <laughs> that is fun. And then there's like a very feasible sex scene after that. So like bravo. Yeah. What's uh, what the, the shower, is that he on? does look like a forty six year old man, I gotta say. <laughs> he's got dad bod. He's got dad bod. It's the last story in the book with the guy who is pretending to have Alzheimer's. Huh. How many pages is your book? <laughs> Did you read the wrong book? <laughs> no, I've got Division Chief Kosakushima, but my copy is the one I bought off the shelf in 2000. And it's a first edition. I just looked in the back in the Indicia. You guys have newer editions that I think have extra stories in them. What? <laughs> You didn't oh, get I, this? I did not get that. I remember reading that. Oh, wow. That story is in that one. Yeah. Oh, that's wild. Yeah. In the indicia for this one, earlier you said you read it in 2000. I was like, oh, this book was printed in 2007. That's weird. It must just be a newer printing. But I think it's a yeah. new book. <gasps> Mine's only 160 pages. So yours has got a bunch of stories. Oh, sorry. 166 pages. My book ends with the unforgettable story. Oh. Ah, uh, yeah. And then you guys have got like a whole bunch of stuff after that. Uh, oh, yeah. The Paris stuff came after Unforgettable. Yeah. Wait, you, you don't have the Paris story? So I, okay. I've read a bunch of Division Chief Kosakushima <laughs> out of order, but then it just comes and goes, manga comes and goes from my life. Like I just got rid of all my manga to move. So I kept this one because I knew we were going to rec- read it on the podcast, but I didn't realize that story takes place in this volume. Uh, that's yeah. wild. Well, yeah. there you go. If you're buying a used copy of Kodansha's Bilingual Comics Division Chief Kosakashima, don't get the one with the yellow and red band across the top. Get the one that's just an all-black cover so you don't miss out on important What's bits on the of back Kosakushima. of your volume? Yeah. Do you have this illustration of Yeah, I got the nice same sweater Kosakushima. <laughs> yeah, he's Weird. just sitting. I'm going to I'm going to put that in the show notes. That's just like the 80s. Although the sequel series to this Section Chief or not Section Chief, Executive Director, he's literally all in pastels, Don Johnston from the 80s style, but like 90s, like full on 90s preppy. Nice. Okay, so I wanted the last last thing I wanted to talk about was the sex in this book. And we talked a little bit about gender and how women are treated, but like Salaryman Comics, and especially Salaryman Comics magazines like Big Comics or some of the more serious business ones, you gotta have the sex scene every couple of chapters to keep people interested. It's not just it's salaryman comics are one level above seinen manga and it's got to be the kind of sex scene that is resonant let's say with a salaryman versus a full-on fantasy situation for the most part unless you're reading like a straight-up hentai which also happened the first time mm-hmm. i read this flipping through and he's all of a sudden having sex with his young girlfriend and it is like she is drawn very sensually i believe was chip's phrase in the in the previous episode, did it shock you? Like, cause it, it literally shocked me when I'm reading this comic about grownups doing grown up things. And then they do one of the more grown up things uh, of all. And I was like, Oh my God, this is just a comic about businessmen, but then they have sex in it. Like, Whoa, it was very surprising to uh 20 year old Christopher. Let me break this too. So there's another <laughs> of, of his that I like a lot. That is not in English at all. It's called mm. in shooting stars in twilight. And okay. it's, it's a series of short stories about romance between 50, like 50, 60, 70 year olds. Oh, wow. It's like a, it's like a senior 
like a series of short stories, kind of like Kosakushima, always kind of heartwarming, but about people rediscovering love after age six. Like later in life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it and they get it on. <laughs> <laughs> I've got no problem with people of any age getting it on. I have a problem with my ostensibly all ages friendly businessman comics all of a sudden having a secret hotel tryst. And I do remember that story where she shows up in the lingerie and you get that like full page, whoa, and then it's just a sexy times parade. But I was like shocked when I first read it. I Okay, I wasn't shocked. I wasn't shocked that there was sex in this. I was at first taken aback because it, it's introduced when he's on the phone with her and he's imagining her. Yeah. Mm. So I'm just like, oh, okay, he's he's going to be the guy having a sex. That's interesting because like he doesn't already he doesn't strike me as like a, a, a sexual uh, being. But <laughs> but then you know I'm like, well yeah, of course. It, I mean, it's a salaryman comic. It's not for kids. It's not for teenagers. It's for adults and business and power and sex. Just feels so kind of linked that it just kind of made sense to me that there's going to be sex in this. Though I am glad because like because it starts off with the kind of the fantasy of her just kind of like kind of bending over in these like sexy poses, but when they actually do kind of like beat up and get it on, it feels it feels less porny than his imagination. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Which is which is nice. He was imagining her with someone else too, so it was sort of like mm. anxiety more than. Oh, and it was a white guy. Like that was a whole that that yeah. was like it. Like he's a Japanese dude, and he's imagining her with a blonde-haired white guy, and that's part of it. And it's like praying. It's not. It's like sexy. Like you get your oh, you have your cake and eat it too. You get your oh, we have a racy panel this week. Oh, it's going to keep the salarymen who are reading sort of excited by getting to see something a little bit risque. And also, it's anxiety-driven, and it yeah. drives the anxiety that he has, and that you know. Yeah. People have. It's pretty great, actually. Yeah. Also, he yeah. immediately tells her about it, which I kind of liked. Like, yeah, yeah. to dinner, and she's like, "Oh, that's cute." Yeah, it's not a weird. <laughs> it's not a weird simmering thing, you know. That's going to explode one day when he accuses her of having an affair, and she even like kind of pushes him on it. Like, oh, you ever wonder about me? I like yeah. it's 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 gentle. And I, I like that. Also, you know what? Uh, I like. There's a lot of drawings of her body and his body. That's kind of felt more. Or I say less idealized, hmm. which I mm-hmm. liked. Like him in the shower, like he's 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 got a little bit of a gut. He's not like the kind of the supermodel kind of businessman who's like cutting deals. And like there's there's a really like when she's kind of talking about like her young body, I'm like, oh yeah, there's like some really nice kind of like ripples there, and like yeah, I was looking at that one too. Like she doesn't, yeah, it looks just got a little very bit of love handle there. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Definitely, I love her pubic hair. I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm into, I'm into this. Yeah, we're gonna just skip over that. And uh, <laughs> no, no, it's, oh. it's good. <laughs> I follow up comment. I don't understand why she tied the pantyhose around her top. But that was unnecessary, like, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I get, I'll, I'll chalk it up to a cute couple thing and leave it there. People are weird. That's that's <laughs> where that's what I took from that. People are weird. It's like Brad Pitt and Fight Club with the uh, rubber glove. <laughs> it is like, wow. Good callback. <laughs> Took you a second, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh, what a, what a, what a film. All right. I think we've 
thoroughly investigated the comics world of Kosakashima. Anybody have any final thoughts that they want to express before we go to the break? I feel like if I was in Japan and reading this series, like I would greatly look forward to each volume and seeing this guy progress. Like mm. you describing him like uh, advancing through the series, like like that's just like that's a ton of fun. I wonder if it's he's everybody's senpai. He's everybody's like guy that's just a little bit higher than him in the company, even though the company is fictional and he is fictional. I wonder he has an, a complete upward trajectory. He doesn't hit any stumbling blocks and just keeps getting promoted as the series goes on and as, as everyone who's reading him gets older. I wonder if that is soul-destroying for people who do not, who've like, I started with the same level as Kosakashima when that book started, and now he's president, and I'm like off in middle management somewhere in like an office, and they want me to quit, but I refuse to quit until retirement age, like that kind of... like. I wonder if Kosakushima is like a gold standard that no one can live up to in Japanese business. Mm. I would be fascinated to hear thoughts in the comments on that from people who know. I don't know if he's meant to be directly looked up to or compared to like that. It's sort of like comparing yourself to Superman or something. Or even like comparing yourself to like Love and Rockets. Like how I compare myself. I'm the same age as Cindy Crawford. (laughs) 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 Oh, Oh, damn. (laughs) That sucks. (laughs) (laughs) But I do see what you're saying. I'm the same age as no one, and I exist in my own bubble. But yes, it it is like this super successful dude who. It's like when you when you read a lot of if you read as much Japanese media or watch as much Japanese media as I do, two guys who started the company at the same time, and then one of them gets really successful, and the other one sort of stalls or or stutters in his career, and that's like a big thing, like starting in, in the same time as somebody in the company. And, and growing further and further apart. And we actually even get a little bit of that in this one. Mm. Yeah, that's my final thought is like, I wonder if this is like the unrealistic body standards in superhero comics, but a <laughs> businessman manga, where it's like, oh, I couldn't possibly live up to this ideal. It's making me feel shitty every time I open the book. Uh, that is my final thought on Kosaku. But it's also not to extend the final <laughs> thoughts, but again, this is for adults. Like, I don't know if adults necessarily have that reaction as much as like a younger reader would. Because it's such yeah, a subconscious thing. Have you seen TikTok? <laughs> oh my god! Well, actually, I have not seen TikTok. <laughs> oh, I d- manga explainings on TikTok. Sort of. Go follow us. Also, <laughs> ugh, there's a lot of there's a lot of unrealistic standards and people trying to live up to them on on social media. Let me tell you. Okay. Let yeah, me true. tell you. But that's keeping up with like real people. Is like, it? Like that's, Are influencers I mean, real people? Food for thought, folks. (laughs) (laughs) I think my final thought is I want one last spinoff of this series from the perspective of Kumiko, his girlfriend, written and drawn by Akiko Higashimura. Oh, my God. Yes. (laughs) That's the win. Like printing money. That's the winner. Yeah, that's a good one. I would buy that. Just like her whole life story, one graphic novel, like 600 pages maybe 800 and it's just like from her first introduction all the way through oh i want that so bad i love it good thing you know the people at kodajik were like oh shit why didn't i think of that (laughs) they better be (laughs) i'll email gami and be like suggest this to her see what happens i I wish (laughs) everyone's always looking for the next hit why not deb any final thoughts on kosakashima i'm i'm so glad we're reading this because i refer to this all the time as a kind Mm. of a template of a type of story and a type of manga I'm like when I brought up a man's man, that manga about the CEO of Samsung goes back in 20 years. Mm. 
just before uh, touchscreen phones or everything. It's very Kosakushima, plus the boxing, plus he recognizes that the women, he didn't treat the women in his co-workers right. So all the things that Kosakushima is, and even more. I love it. And what's the title of that book? It's the Korean webtoon that we linked, I think, maybe earlier this season, right? Yeah, it's A Man's Man. A Man's Man. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. I read the first couple chapters of that after you recommended it. It's actually really good. It kind of scratched a similar itch for sure. I was going to say, like, uh, Master Keaton's another good one, too. Similar one. Mm-hmm. Episodic, mm, yeah. you know, everyday Japanese man travels the world and does good. Kind of mm. nice. Yeah, that and the other thing this reminds me a little bit of is maybe we only read the one uh, Journal of My Father by Jiro mm. Taniguchi. But Taniguchi was doing pretty much exclusively salaryman comics from a certain point in his career until the very end. He just changed what the idea of a salaryman comic kind of meant uh, for a while there. Mm-hmm. A solitary gourmet ever comes out. It's about a salaryman. It's basically about Kosakushima, somebody who's like, you know, in his 40s, maybe even in his 50s at a certain point, just going and eating at different restaurants. Like one chapter, one restaurant, learns about a different kind of food, has a lunch. Huge. Became a, <laughs> became a multi-season television show. <laughs> salaryman comics, they're everywhere. And we have precious few examples of them in English. But luckily, through hook end by crook, we had Kosaku Shima back in, back in the early 2000s, thanks to Diamond Comics. All right. Thanks so much for listening to our episode about Kosaku Shima. We'll be right back after these important messages. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And we are back. We hope that was a fun commercial interlude for all y'all. We're going to do shoutouts. We're going to write to shoutouts. We're running just a touch long this week. But we are going to do a Q&A next week. We've, we've already picked the question. It's going to be a good one. Folks, what are your shoutouts for this week? So who wants to go first? I think Deb should set the tone for this week. Oh, God. <laughs> Deb set the tone for this week. <laughs> okay. Well, I've already recommended Man's Man to everyone who will listen. So I got to pick something else and I will pick the book that I picked up in LA last week. It's called On or Off by an artist named A1. It is a boys love manga. It is a boys mm. love manhwa, a webtoon uh, published by Tokyo Pop it's in full color. And I'm here to tell you girls, all the man parts are there. Whoa. <gasps> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing tastefully obscured by steam or something like that. No. Glowing cones of light. All right. Here we go. But but what redeems it, it's basically, it is like a business manga. It's about a young man. Redeems it? No. No, no. I refuse to let that go. (laughs) Redeems it. Man parts are their own reward. They need no redemption. Uh, Not man parts, but, you know. It makes it less porny. Yes. Makes it less porny? The other 85% of this book. 
<laughs> basically a very lovely story about a young man and his friends who are designing a video game. And then they get through some, through various circumstances, get picked up by this hot older guy's company. And the two guys embark on this very steamy love affair. But it's also kind of goofy and funny. And it's about business and about marketing and game development. Hmm. It's interesting. It's from Tokyo Pop. I was just going to say it's the most stylishly uh, dressed video game designer I've literally ever met uh, is on the cover of that book. (laughs) Actually, Whoa, hello. (laughs) Deb just held up some panels. So a full 15% penis. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's like Tagame levels, actually. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) That sounds like a great shout out. Thank you, Deb. David, what's your shout out this week now that Deb has set the tone? Yeah, so similar to Deb, my recommendation is directly related to our conversation about Kosakushima. I mentioned anti-capitalism a little bit. And this movie isn't anti-capitalist, but it is about two brothers who get together to rob a bank because they're out of options. You know, one brother came back from the desert, injured, trying to find work, can't find it. His wife's sick. The other is a career criminal, to be fair. But, you know, like, you can't choose family, right? So you stick by your brother's. And in this film, they rob a bank, things go wrong, and they get stuck in the back of an ambulance trying to get away from the LAPD. And the movie is called Ambulance, and it's by (laughs) Michael Bay, written and directed. And it is actually incredible. Like, it's... When you think Michael Bay, you think Transformers. Imagine all that, like, power and energy turned towards, like, a small crime story. Like, some guys Mm -hmm. rob a bank, they try to get away, and then there's a car chase, and that's it. And it's, like, full Michael Bay... It's really fun. I had I watched it a couple of weeks ago and it's really stuck with me. In no small part because like whenever Jake Gyllenhaal is on scene in any movie, I feel like he's the best actor ever. He might not actually be, you know, like between movies I have other favorites. But when he's doing his thing, whether it was in that Spider-Man movie or this one, I'm like, man, like this guy is like really good. I don't know if I could trust him in real life. He's so good at slipping <laughs> into a character. <laughs> So Ambulance by Michael Bay with a cast of like really fun actors and amazing drone camera footage of Los Angeles. Hmm. Chipper, you got a, you got a shout out this week? Yeah, actually I just finished reading Kate Beaton's new book ducks, Mm. which is amazing. And it's a memoir from drawn quarterly about her time in the oil sands, trying to pay off her student loans. And it's a, a lot about kind of like, kind of East coast families and communities where there's no economy locally, uh, which they all have to kind of go to these oil sands in Alberta to work and send the money back home. And it's about like what that does to people like these kind of like communities and these kind of places that are entirely about capitalism and industry, but it's it's like 90% men away from their families and how that changes them and the things that Kate went through and what she saw uh, during that period. And yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those books where like it really hits you hard, but she's just so good that weaving kind of like kind of charming bits throughout kind of the, the, the larger tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, everyone knows when we talked about her earlier that like her humor comics, her humor strips are like the best. It turns out she's also like the greatest memoirist. It's very upsetting, actually, now that I say it out loud. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, go pick it up. 
I was reading a review of Ducks by Charlotte Finn. It ran on shelfdust.com for the show notes, the readers out there. And Charlotte's from yeah. Alberta or lives in Alberta. And it's really, I don't know, getting all the perspectives on, like, what am I trying to say? I feel like it's hitting Canadians very hard. Yeah. Really? Wow. In my yeah, like, we all, we all knew about it. Yeah. There are always stories from the region. But this really just kind of takes you into it. In a way yeah, that yeah. I don't think I don't think anyone's really done before, at least on this kind of scale. Wow. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Andrew reviewed that for for Corn Fire, and so I've read the review of it, and it seems like I need to be in a better <laughs> place mentally before I <laughs> dive in to see the horrors that my friend Kate has experienced firsthand. But yeah, I uh, yeah I do want to read it. I just got to give myself give myself the time to do so. It's a weird. It's weird. It's weird to read a thing like that when it's a friend. Yeah, absolutely. It's like it's like reading a friend's diary. It's just like, oof, like you can't remove yourself from it as much as you mm-hmm. might want to. I don't know if you remember I actually asked you a couple episodes ago about how do you like read a work that a friend has done and can you criticize it at all? And you were like, "Oh, it d- depends." And we sort of went around on that on about autobiography and memoir. And it's because I had just been copy editing and working with Andrew on his review and it's just like he loved it obviously there's almost nothing to criticize in the yeah. book like it's it's basically a perfect book but like how would you how would you even begin to criticize like somebody's lived experience in what is ostensibly one of the worst places on earth like it it just seems tragic and awful and it was just something that was really weighing heavily on me so I got to work it out through the podcast but that was that, that question came from basically okay, yeah. that book yeah it makes sense fascinating so yeah definitely go read that if you're in a good place (laughs) but if you're not maybe uh just a chapter at a time and take breaths in between my my pick i should have gone before you oh well my pick is stupid and funny but also about business actually a little bit nice we got the four for yeah (laughs) it is an episode of a (laughs) a podcast called tiny meat gang it's by cody co noelle miller and they just had mr beast on as a guest and they had him on because they did an extended skit where it was evil Mr. Beast, like rocking up to the club in like a full on like Balenciaga sweatsuit, buying the club and kicking everybody else out except for the ladies because he's so wealthy. And it just keeps going from there. Like, what does Mr. Evil Mr. Beast do? So he comes on the show as evil Mr. Beast, this guy who's just got a crazy amount of money and rules YouTube. Like, has the biggest YouTube videos of all time, has the most subscribers, yada, yada, yada. And it starts out very funny because he's playing, it's Mr. Beast playing Mr. Evil Mr. Beast, but they kind of merge about 25 minutes in. And it's like, here's how I run my business. And he just gives away every secret. He starts giving away video episode ideas, business ideas for Cody and Noel. Just like all the stuff he's like, yeah, I don't need it. Like I just want a poker game where I like, I won $110,000 and I'm like, Keep it. Go give it to some kid in Croatia when you go to Croatia next week. And so they're going to some other guy that he was playing poker with is going to film a video where he's like, here's $110,000 of Mr. Beast's money. And that's going to be content. And then Mr. Beast extends his brand again. And you're just like watching this. And it is so far out of your day to day life. Like it is so absurd. And it's so much money. But he's also like so real about it. He's like, we just keep making money. And then I just keep throwing it back all into bigger and stupider videos because nothing matters. And you're just like, oh, this is like the most post-millennial thing. And then Cody and Noel, and Cody just turned, I think, 
32 or something like that. And they're like, blah, blah, blah. And then when, you know, when you're whatever, and he's like, oh, I wasn't born yet. And he turns out, and Mr. Beast is 25 or 24. And you're just like, this guy who's making like, I don't know, $100,000 a second is making this kind of money from YouTube videos. Like it's crazy. Like it is, you've got to watch this whole episode. I'll link it in the comments, but it's like, when business gets to a certain point, it is absurd. And if you are in on the joke and you don't fucking go full of Elon Musk with it, it's actually pretty wild. Because this dude's just like, <laughs> yeah, I just want to change people's lives. I can't change the system. I can't. I could give away all of my money, like $1 to a person that's not going to change anything. But I can pick one person at a time and give them enough money to completely change their lives in a way that allows me to make enough money from doing that to keep doing that for a person every single time. And he can just do it infinitely and then invest it into other things like, you know, Beast Burger or whatever. And it's just like blowing my mind watching this, knowing that that will never be me. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> Cody, Tiny Meat Gang, TMG, Cody Co., Noel Miller, and then Mr. Beast, Evil Mr. Beast as a guest. It was the most business thing. And I didn't watch it just because of Vision Chief Kosakashima <laughs> this week. But like, wow, watching Kosakashima and watching like the most straight laced, straight edge version of 1990s Japanese business versus Mr. Beast in a Balenciaga tracksuit, just talking about throwing away a million dollars on a video that didn't work. So he didn't even put it up. That kind of the shit is, is wild to me. Just, just wild. So yeah, check that out. I feel so old. Fun. I don't even know who these people are. <laughs> well, Cody and, and and Noel, you can be forgiven for. They've only got a million subscribers, but Mr. Beast has a hundred million subscribers. You got to get on the Mr. Beast train, or you'll get on, or you'll find, or it'll be too late. <laughs> you don't want him to yeah. find you. You better find him. I didn't know about Mr. Beast until I read an article about him. Was it the Forbes article? They talk about that. It might might have been, but it's like how old people discover stuff like this. Like I'm going to read this article in Forbes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, and it, and then I watched a couple of videos, and it's pretty wild. Yeah, you just can't believe that this is a thing that's real and it's happening. Yeah, it is. <laughs> he actually he actually talks about how he had to do a couple of videos in a row where he gave away less money because he was giving away so much money, people thought it was fake. And so the whole thing was <laughs> all these people in the comments going, "This is fake. There's no way he gave away three million dollars." He's like, "All right, I'll just give away a hundred thousand dollars because that seems real to people. That's like a real amount of money." cheated people out of money because they wouldn't believe that he was giving the money away. This It's two hours and it will change your perspective on everything that's going on with the young people. Let me tell you, folks. Anyway, that is that is my recommendation for this week. And this has been an episode of Manga Explaining all about business. This has been Manga Explaining Episode 82, Division Chief Kosakushima Volume 1, Bilingual Edition. Thanks for listening. For our next episode, we'll be wrapping up the season by discussing Akira Volume 4 by Katsuhiro Otomo. Want to pick up a copy? Consider supporting your local comic book and manga specialty shop. You can find one near you at comicshoplocator.com. Or check your local library for print and digital lending options. You can also follow along with our complete reading list and show notes at mangasplaining.com and check out our newsletter and digital publishing endeavor at mangasplainingextra.com. Thanks to DADS for their musical accompaniment this episode. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.